romantic comedies. Oh! <laughs> Damn. Take that, all you people who believe in love out there. Damn. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what, what do you think about that world? I no. like. You like it? Yeah. Brain, what's the roman- the most romantic story you've ever heard? Mm. The tale of my parents. Do you want to do you want to share how your parents met on the podcast? <laughs> have I already? No, you shared you shared the story of when you were born. Share the story of when you were conceived. I'm good, frankly. <laughs> I know the story, but I'm not gonna share it. You know the story. Yeah. Mm, well, that information's out there. Welcome back to Stacked Episode 90, everybody. Um, it is a beautiful uh, day in Southern California, and um, we are here back again to talk about, um, well, a big popular genre in cinema, one that's uh, coming back to theaters this weekend with bros. Um also, guys, I just realized that this mo- this episode's coming out in October, so should I theme it like Halloweenathon? There's no, there's nothing put scarier. This, there's nothing scarier. <laughs> try and maybe try and com- maybe there's try and combine like romance comedy with this. <laughs> yes, we will be scary, but is then scarier. yeah, but then there could be hearts around it. You know, I don't know. Um, guys. What what makes a good romantic comedy? You know, I feel like there's so many different kinds out there. Um, for me, I feel like I really wanted to track sort of like a chronological, uh, like a history of romantic comedies. So I have some from many decades, many a decade, because it has been a genre that's been around forever. Um, and just I want to show how it's really evolved. It evolves, you know, romance, dating, and everything evolves around culture. Culture changes from decade to decade, uh, from art movement to art movement. So that's how I'm doing this. But Chris, what what was like your criteria of making a good romantic comedy on this list? I think for me, like a good romantic comedy needs the big thing is for me the tonal balance between, um, you know, exploring like the nuances of romance and all that stuff. You know, uh, and that always changes depending on what kind of relationship it is, but also. Uh, yeah, you got to balance that out with some right the good with some good comedy, and oftentimes that's a very hard thing to do. Comedy is hard to do on its own, let alone balance that with genuinely compelling romance. Oh, genuinely compelling romantic arc. Um, so I picked out some films that uh that kind of went in that direction. I hope that I picked some films. I think these these are like these are all really fun. I feel like or like a mixture because sometimes the the tone can lean a certain way towards more of a romantic film than a comedy film or more of a comedy film than a romantic film. And sometimes they tread the middle. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, w- I wanted to cover a little bit of everything. But my big thing was, yeah, getting the tone right. That's all. Yeah, I like that. Brandon, you're, you're, that's... You're, very, you're very backlit right now. It's, you're very menacing. I kind of like it. Yeah, because I just, my lamp in my room makes it hotter, so I'm it's off. Oh, okay, I see. So, well, yeah. You look, you look, you look epic. What, what's your uh, definition? That's why, that's why I chose Fanchon the Cricket. Just kidding. Ooh, <laughs> classic. 
Double stack. Name drop. Double triple stack. Uh, a good romantic comedy. You know, there there are the cliche ones out there. Like, I think early Matthew McConaughey uh, romantic comedies aren't very good. Uh, I watched one recently, actually. Rewatched one recently, and I didn't. Oh, I didn't really like it all that much. Um, so like the good ones are like clever. You know. They either try to mix up the formula or they embrace it wholeheartedly with like an earnestness that you can't help but adore. Right. Or they're, sometimes they're, they're more vulnerable and they do skew more towards drama. You know, there are certainly romantic comedies that have drama in them. Uh, and I think a good mixture of romance and drama, but also the good chemistry between the leads is necessary, you know, to making a good romantic comedy. And I didn't. Like well, let's just say my picks aren't final yet. I have, I am having a very hard time choosing. <laughs> You're gonna improv like jazz, huh? All right, I like. You it. like jazz. You like. You like jazz. You like jazz. Is that a romantic comedy? You like jazz. The B no. movie. Well, yes. yes it's yes, kind of a romantic. Com- yeah, what technically. What What's the What's the lady's name in B movie? I can find it. Ray Liotta. Uh, Ray Liotta. Uh, I forgot. Shit, I can name. find it. I got. It, I got it. Uh, uh, Vanessa Bloom. Vanessa. That's right. Because Patrick Warburton goes, Vanessa, you're dating a bee. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good impression. You're For dating speed. a bee. <laughs> Why does yogurt now have to be so difficult? <laughs> Can you uh, do it? Because I, you can do it way better. Than why you say does that. yogurt not have to be so difficult? <laughs> there, there is someone who I used to work with who does the Patrick Warburton impression perfectly, and he would all he would always used to say, "You're dating a bee" while we were on set. And <laughs> oh my god, I was like, "Holy shit, it's perfect!" It's like he's actually here. Um, all right, let's talk about some romantic comedies. Let's get right to it. Uh, Wait. once we, but first. Rules of the show. Wait, do you have something to say? No, I was just worried that you weren't going to do the rules of the show, so I was going to remind you, but I guess you didn't need reminding. I, I was going to do the rules of the show, but then I realized that I wasn't going to mention that I was going to do the rules of the show because it's like muscle memory to me. So, yeah, thanks for the reminder. Once a week, we set a topic or theme and go our separate ways to construct our own three-film stack. Then after a week, we come back here on the podcast and share our own stacks one film at a time. Then at the end of the show, we'll mix and match our nine films to make the ultimate decision on what quintessential three-film stack we are checking out of this hypothetical video store. Brandon. Little Brandon. You're up first. All right. I'm picking a 1990 romantic comedy. Let's start out with Pretty Woman. Pretty woman, Pretty woman walking down the street. Copyright. Pretty woman. It's copyright. Really <laughs> well, it's too perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me uh, about Pretty Woman. I've never seen it. Chris, have you seen it? No, but I love Julia Rob Hertz and Richard oh. Gere. <laughs> okay, well, this basically follows uh, Julia Roberts, who is a Hollywood prostitute, uh, and she's hired by Richard Gere to like escort her around so she's basically a hired escort for him and so you know in all honesty it's the opposite to tracks this guy's a very wealthy businessman sort of situation she is like downtrodden but at no point during this movie does it feel anything less than classy because of the two 
leads on screen. And their romance is really compelling and beautiful. They've got great chemistry with one another. A lot of uh, there's an iconic moment in this movie that was improvised uh, between the actors and has be- since become like very well known. Uh, yeah, and then it's also a very compelling tale about a guy like learning to like care for the people around him and the businesses and like the lower class and middle class. Because at first you you see he's like very stuck in his ways, you know, stuck in his business minded approach to the point where the people around him are like an echo chamber of his own thoughts. So to have a different voice like Julia Roberts, uh, her character Vivian is very good. Now the musical, uh, which I watched at Seagrestrom Hall, not very good. No offense no. to those. No offense no. to those who were involved in that production. I don't think it's a good adaptation of the movie, but the movie is a classic. So yeah. Why wasn't it that good? Uh, I think they they altered some things from the movie that worked for me a lot. Um, not in terms of like the main story, but in terms of like character directions, and I didn't appreciate that. And some of the music was kind of forgettable. Some of it was good, but a lot of it was forgettable. Huh. Chris, have you ever seen Pretty Woman? No. This yeah. seems like this this seems like one of those uh American classics that just well, I don't know if it's a classic, but like it like is. just those like yeah, like uh one of those movies that just kinda like went over my head uh growing up because like maybe it just didn't make its way over to me uh in quite the same way. Um but there were definitely movies from that era that uh did, but I guess this one just fell under the radar for me. But I do uh, I do love Julia Roberts um, and Richard Gere. My mother loves deeply uh, to much my father's dismay. Um, and yeah, I'm sold. This does sound cool. I also do like that you said, Brandon, that, um, you know, the, the what's the word, shall I say, log line of the film does make it sound like a kind of a sleazy movie, but I'm glad to hear that it's like, it's classy and it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, like kind of make Julia Roberts' uh, uh, occupation like a joke or something because it's not but right yeah right. I like it, it gives good care to it you would expect yeah. it to be because it's like the 90s when it came yeah out. yeah that's good yeah. to hear because i've certainly seen early even like 2000s films that don't do that you know yeah uh yeah i don't know uh yeah this is a, a big classic that has gone over my head uh i feel like i do need to check it out jason alexander's in it i'm looking at it you know Good old uh, George Costanza from Seinfeld. Overrated. Got, gotta love him. Jason Alexander also stars in... Anybody know? Anybody know what else he stars in? Dunstan checks in. That's right. Very good, everybody. All right. Let's move on to our next one. Chris, what is your first romantic comedy? All right. Well, when I was putting together my stack, I actually... Uh, I was looking into, like, a big list of, like... What are, the, what are the iconic rom-com films? And I was like, oh, wow, I know so many of these. These, look, these are all great. But then as I started going through, I was like, you know what I'm noticing? Not many people of color in these. So every single one of my films is an Asian couple. That was what, that was what I challenged myself with. Whoa. So for my first film, as the resident uh, POC of the Stack Trio, uh, <laughs> I thought I would go with this one. So uh, I went with... Uh, Peter Chan's 1996 film. Brandon, you have this on your watch list. Uh, Comrades, almost a love story. Yeah. Anyone ever heard of this? I have, I have never heard of this. It's on my watch list. All right. <laughs> um, 
I'm not gonna lie, this is one of my favorite films to ever come out of Hong Kong. I think it's a beautiful movie. Um, it tells a story, uh, a decade-spanning story, about two mainland immigrants in Hong Kong, played by Leon Lai and, as you, and the both of you both know her, Maggie Cheung. Um, it pokes a lot, and so, yeah, it tells this story about these two people who come to the city with big dreams and things they want to achieve in their life, and... Um, you know, we kind of go about the paces with them about how they navigate their time here and everything. Um, it pokes a lot of fun at like uh, the new arrivals of Hong Kong without jumping into like uh, discriminatory rhetoric about immigration. But it does also have like it's also elevated by a conversation about migrant workers and cultural divides, which is really neat in a rom com. It's rare that you get to see that. Um, but most importantly, the film is also a larger allegory for. Uh, this Hong Kong's relationship with China, which I find really interesting to see because this came out one year before Hong Kong was handed over back to China. Uh, so oh, I thought that was really cool to like kind of see it as like a uh, viewing it in the context of uh, you know almost kind of preempting what's to come. Um, it's also a very tender and loving film with plenty of jokes. Uh, it can definitely lean more towards romantic drama at times than rom romantic comedy. But I will say that that heart-wrenching drama is balanced really nicely by uh, the light-hearted comedy. Um, and yeah, I would recommend this movie to anyone who likes romance films at all. Uh, and yeah, um, just wanted to throw this one out there because uh, I'm, I'm actually surprised I've never talked about this movie. But there you go. Brandon, you've added this to watch list. What made you uh, want to do that? Well, it was on Letterboxd's Top 250 for a little bit. But also, I didn't know it was a comedy. I kind of thought it was just a, a dramatic romance. But it is. It is leaning more romantic drama at times. But the like, it's. I wouldn't even necessarily call the genre specifically a comedy. But there, I would say that there's definitely enough of a comedic and lighthearted uh, undertone to the film that does lift it towards that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, strictly speaking, it's probably you'd probably classify this more as a romantic drama. Right. I was just, what intrigued me most about the film, other than its critical status, was uh, the idea of, because often in romantic comedies, it's the opposites that attract sort of thing. Mm -hmm. and, but here, there was an even starker difference between the two people in love because of like their belief system, you know? Yeah. And that, I think that is a very interesting political uh, sort of angle to take that will probably make it more compelling than your average romance. Because sometimes mm. romances are built upon the writing of the comedy and the chemistry between the two leads. Uh, yeah. So to add an extra layer of depth might actually help it. So, yeah. I agree. That sounds... Mm -hmm. um, like, the only other, like, political romantic comedy I can think of is, like, a... Long shot? Long shot, yeah, and that's a good one. I I liked Long Shot, um, but I'm flipping through stills right now of this movie, and I don't know. It 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 looks really pretty, uh, how the characters are shot, composed against the city of Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah, it's a really beautiful movie just to like watch, just because it's so like, and it also captures the moment that era beautifully, like the nineties Hong Kong, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's going on my watch list. I'm adding it right now. I want to check oh, it out. Bam. No? It can only be on mine. 
Why? Because I said so. Oh, sure. All right. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Let's get into my uh, next, my first film. I don't know why next. Sorry, it, my room is very hot right now. Um, just want to let everybody know why I'm sort of out of it. Um, baby. Baby. I am kind of a baby when it comes to heat. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I'm from the little snowland of Salt Lake City. It's 79 um, degrees right now. Yeah, and it's humid. Our insulation here is awful. Anyways, all right. I'm picking a film uh, from my three white people movies. I feel like there was... Um, <laughs> I feel like nobody else is choosing three white people movies, so I thought I'd bite the bull and do that, you know? Maybe Brandon's also doing three white people. Hey, Maybe he's hey. not, because he, he doesn't know his stack. He's improvising yeah. it. So now, Brandon, you have a chance to look better than me, so... Yeah. Um, Ethan, you're... No, it's not better. You're, you're representing your people. I'm representing mine. Simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's That's go, right. white people. Let's go. I thought there white wasn't enough Panther? white people. White Panther. <laughs> we need Brandon more. Today, Brandon today was pitching to me. He said, why is there no White Panther? And I was like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. He Spike Lee that. can direct it. <laughs> Spike Lee can direct it. That would be interesting, actually. Um, <laughs> let's see what Spike Lee can do with the White Panther. <laughs> all right no more of that um i'm choosing a 1941 film look at me i'm the one that's doing the classics now uh preston sturge's lady eve do you guys remember watching lady oh my eve god wait film is this the movie where is this the movie where i fell off my seat or is this yes. a different one yeah yes, yeah this oh my god one this of the was one jokes. of the biggest film history screening surprises uh we see I, we did a double feature because remember we yeah it was with uh it was Trouble in Paradise, which was Trouble also Paradise, good. Yeah, I remember um, we couldn't watch Trouble in Paradise the week before because Anaheim was on fire, so we couldn't <laughs> miss our screen. So, no, remember, right. so we did a double feature of both of these. Um, and I remember, I remember, I I already watched um, Trouble in Paradise um, because I thought we, I thought I just assumed that we'd have to watch it on our own, you know, because I don't know we had to leave, you know. So I remember I. I listened to a podcast while everyone else was watching Trouble in Paradise in the theater. I put my headphones on and sat in the back. Um, but I'm glad I didn't do that for Lady Eve because um, this movie, I just remember it being so funny. Like, Henry Fonda is such a himbo in this movie. Yeah. Like, he's so he's so stupid in this movie that it's great, yeah. you know? But he's not, like, he's not, like, stupid. He's, like, playfully stupid. And he's just, like... I don't know. He's just like I think he's one of the charm most charming dudes in film yeah, history. I agree. Um and it's just got a funny plot to it, you know, um of this girl trying to like uh like being a con artist to this guy and then she actually falls in love with him and then he figures out that she like that she's a con artist uh and then he like he kicks her out. So then he tries she tries to be the Lady Eve. And then, like, get revenge, but also fall back in love with him, and then, but also, like, steal from him. Um, I don't know. I just remember, like, I think this is an important uh, film when looking at the romantic comedy because it does, like, blend classic Hollywood romance with classic Hollywood comedy because you got a lot of slapstick in there. You got a lot of, uh, you know, witty banter comedy that you'd see back then. But then it's also, like, a pretty, like, I don't know, it's a pretty wholesome love story, too. 
Um, so I wanted to shout this one out as my first pick because I think I like when we when we do like these big genres like this. I like tracking the history of it, you know. Um, so I wanted to start here. Um, but I know you guys have both seen it because we all watched this for class. So, uh, Brandon, what do you think about this? I love this movie. It's been a while since I think it's been since film history that I watched it, just because it's really hard to find. Yeah. Uh, early Lubitsch can be, and early Preston Sturges can be as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, their classics are available, like To Be or Not to Be. That one's available. It's not that good, but it's, you know, it's available. But The Lady Eve is great. It's an out of print criterion that I need to get my hands on. Oh, my grubby really? little hand. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope they do a remaster someday because it was only on DVD. It was never on Blu-ray. Right. Uh, but I remember just really enjoying this movie and the chemistry between the two leads was electric. I love Henry Fonda. And it's not like he's playing against type here because usually he is a good guy in a movie. Um, Like if you look at his work with like Young Mr. Lincoln, 12 Angry Men on Golden Pond, stuff like that. Yeah. He's a decent man. He rarely plays a villain, but he rarely plays a himbo because he's usually pretty smart in most of his roles, I would say, rather than affable and forgettable. Yeah, I always see him as like a wise protagonist, you know? Right, yeah. The guy who always knows the right thing to do, you know? Right, mm-hmm. But he's not here. He's kind of just like, I'm after the Gazuga woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hubba, hubba, goggle, eyes, hoogs. <laughs> eyes pop out ahead. Woo! <laughs> exactly exactly chris what do you think about this movie yeah this was a really fun movie uh that we got to see in our film aesthetics class um yeah like you guys said this is a really like classic com uh like rom-com i do think the plot is also really unique because it integrates like almost like a crime narrative into it which is really fun not something you see very often in rom-coms um and like you said harry fonda doesn't play villains often if ever uh, this still has one of the one of the funniest jokes and so, uh, enough that it knocked me out of my seat. I thought it was so funny. Um, yeah, it, it it's just it's a really fun time. Um, the specifics of the movie do evade me because it's been a couple of years now, but I do remember really enjoying myself with this one, especially um, Preston Sturges. Uh, I I haven't seen any of his other films, but I've heard of a. Uh, um, his other film, uh, Gulliver's Trap. I mean, Sullivan's Trap. It was one of the first films. On the, <laughs> oh, that we mentioned one of the on first Spanish. movies we talked about. That's right. Holy shit. Yeah. That's great. Gulliver's uh, Trap. Was this pre-code? <laughs> was this pre-code Hollywood? Oh, yeah. It's 1941, uh, yeah, right? 41, yeah. I don't Because if it... I remember there being a lot more innuendo and or uh, explicitness to the, the romance in comparison. Right. Which I don't think you would later see in like the early mid fifties and I don't know fifties and forties, late forties, with right. comedies, romantic comedies especially. But I don't yeah, know, you wouldn't because yeah, everything got a bit more uh, Douglas Sirkin, you know. Yeah, but even then, there's some innuendos there, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think there was what they were as wild as this. I don't know. But uh, definitely a good movie. Y'all should check it out. Um, three stacked approved by us three stackies. Um, all right, let's go into the next round. Brandon, what's your second pick? I'm picking a Best Picture nominee. Oh. 1996's Jerry Maguire. Oh, Show Mr. me Cruz. the money. I 
I have recently come out as a Tom Cruise lover. He is my number one actor of all time. Really? Look at my letterbox. You'll see on my top 10 actors of all time. Well, uh, I, I think we'd also like to announce um, this is very exciting news. Brandon, uh, he's finally accepted uh, the Church of Scientology's offer um, to become a member. And that means that Stacked will be funded um, and actually become the first billion dollar podcast. Isn't that exciting, I, everyone? Thank oh, you, Brandon, yeah. for offering your life and soul to the Church of Scientology. And thank you to Tom Cruise. I do uh, what I can. Yeah, we, we love you all. Uh, remember, we're just we're just a group that just wants love around the world, peace and love, and finding your true soul in past lives and uh, space lizards. Thank you. Anyway, continue. 90s Tom Cruise was just built different in terms of acting. If you look at his, his any of his performances from the 90s, they're all great. You've got Magnolia, The Firm, A Few Good Men, uh, Jerry Maguire, and the first Mission Impossible movie. All of those are like really great performances and movies that like are pretty good. Some of the best of his career. And honestly, this movie is pretty great. Uh, him and Renee Zellweger have great chemistry. Uh, he's a sport agent who kind of learns to care for players as much as he learns to care for commitment to another human being. And especially if it's like a, a relationship that needs to be made, like to me needs to like mate. Yeah. People need to make it work, you know, because there are there is more complicated like aspects to it. You know, often romantic comedies are between two very eligible bachelors, single 20 somethings, single 30 somethings, whatever. Jerry Maguire is about two single somethings, but there's added uh, there's added tension because one of them has a is in a relationship when they meet the one of them has a kid. The other has a like really strict job, which requires them to travel all the time. So there's a lot more here than just like two people falling in love and like going on a few dates together that are have comedic hijinks happening. This is like an actual story to it. Uh, it has conflicts and they make it work. It's definitely very unique as far as romantic comedies go. Is this the one where he says, show me the money? Yes. Or is that okay? Um, that's all I know about this film. Show me the money. Um, but no, didn't we, did we watch a scene from Jerry Maguire in a class? I don't know. Not that I know of. Why would that we have done together? that in any of the film classes? Any of Kelly Fury's I, classes? I doubt it. I know we did. What did I watch it in? I feel like Gasser would it's, show it's this. Where, it's where she's breaking up with him in the beginning, right? Is that? I don't. I don't, I don't think know. we watched it in any of the classes that I took with you. I would have remembered what? that. Oh, I love it. This is the one of the best Cameron Crowe movies, if not the best. It's better than I We watch. Bought a Zoo. <laughs> That's for. Are sure. you serious? Yes, it's Nothing's by that director. That. Oh wow. Oh. Um. Yeah. I. I don't know much about this film. Um. But it seems to have the sort of intrigue that you love, Brandon, and uh, the the man that you love. Uh, Tom Cruise. Um, He's great. He, I mean, he is pretty. Scientology aside, guys, he is pretty great, isn't he? Like, no, yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying great as a person. I think he is a horrible person. I think he's an absolute garbage, horrible person. Well, we don't know him. Well, just from survivor stories from the church and how like he's just treated people. 
Um, I think he, I think he is a horrible person. I'm just gonna go out and say that. I hope Scientologists don't come after me. <laughs> Watch Damn it! Why are you going after? We're gonna be, li- we're gonna be looking out. <laughs> they, they just luck, got an guys. email. They've dropped the sponsorship, and they're watching our house twenty four seven, and spray painting my car and keying my car and popping the tires. Um, <laughs> Good. But he's just like, no, yeah, you're right. The guy, you know, yeah, no, no matter what, guy never phones it in. Yeah, yeah, and like he will, he puts it all on the line, which is frankly more than you can say than a lot of uh, uh, than about a lot of actors out there. Uh, No matter if it's acting, action, whatever, the guy he gives it his all, and you got to respect that. You you can't hate on that. The only time he's phoned it in is for Jack Reacher, I think, or in which he never goes back. By the way, I never That's, saw that one. I saw that uh, first one. <laughs> I, I recently learned that he never goes back, Jack Reacher. He, that he Jack does Reacher not go guy. Back. He does not it's go just, back. Because I feel like there's two modes of Tom Cruise. He goes crazy, or he plays himself. And I like it when he goes crazy. You know, frankly, I do but too. But then there's the third mode where he's like, you know, a good actor. <laughs> Except for Vanilla Sky. He was not good in Vanilla Sky. I think he was trying too hard. In yeah, Vanilla Sky. he committed too problem. hard for that. And yeah. just open your eyes. Bad, and it was just a bad movie to begin with. Watch the original. You'll yeah, like it. I bet. I bet I will. Um, cool. Jerry Maguire. Uh, Chris, non-white people movie. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I've never seen Jerry Maguire. <laughs> God damn it. Oh yeah. Oh, are you asking me for my next pick, or are you? Oh, uh... I forgot you didn't talk about Jeremy. I'm so sorry. Oh no. Do you want no, to say you're good. About but Jeremy no, that's I just, literally I knew it. You hadn't seen it. I'm sorry. No, yeah, that's literally it. I haven't seen the movie. Uh, I know the one scene. Is this the scene? The movie where he, or is it? I don't know. Is this the scene where like he rolls out his underwear and like? That's risky back? business, right? Risky business. Never mind. That's not okay. as good. That's a I, I, though I don't blame you. I always get those two confused. You I think it's because it's like old, old quote unquote Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, but okay, anyway, okay. yeah, okay. Uh, then in that case, that what that means is I have never seen a still or anything from this movie. I don't know what this movie is really about, other than what, the hell? what we said today. Yeah, I don't know anything about Dreamer. I need to get you guys on these these romantic comedies. You're, I, yeah. you're slacking. We're lacking. <laughs> slacking. All right, Are you guys ready? No. Let's do it. All right, I am picking a movie from 2002, also a Hong Kong film, directed, co-directed. Between Y Ka Fai and believe it or not, Johnny Toe. Oh, Johnny Toe has directed Toe a, rom-com did a romantic comedy called Fat Choi Spirit. If anyone doesn't know, Fat Choi in Cantonese basically means good luck and is often used in the phrase Gong Hei Fat Choi, which means, which in Cantonese means um, like. Uh, like wish you good luck, which you say during like Chinese New Year. It's basically in the same spirit as Merry Christmas. Um, anyway, so uh, Fat Choi Spirit is more often referred to as the Andy Lau Mahjong movie because uh, Andy Lau is the main actor and his character's name is Andy because they know everyone's just going to call him Andy anyway. Uh, so Andy plays a character named Andy who has been gifted with this mystical blessing that allows him to have the greatest luck in the world, but only and specifically only when it comes to Mahjong. Rest of his life fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the, ca- um, the movie is a lot of fun. 
the cast of characters surrounding Andy are his senile mother, his estranged, like, down-on-his-luck brother, a, a local gang, but this gang only deals in mahjong money. So, but, like, but they're treated like gangsters, which is really fun. They're, re- they're all very vibrant and colorful characters, um, very absurd, uh, very larger-than-life personalities, and the comedy really does write itself in every scene just because of how ridiculous all of these personalities in one scene are. Um, but the romance element comes in with Andy's girlfriend, who's the person that gave him this mystical blessing when she uh, prayed for him one Chinese New Year. Um, anyway, so yeah, the whole drama comes from Andy's struggle to uh, to love this girl because of her anger issues, but also because of his own obligations to his work as a professional mahjong player and, you know, the complexities of their relationship. Um, yeah, you know, it's not the world's most, like, eloquent movie or anything like that, but it's a very fun and over-the-top film. Uh, the drama is so overplayed, but in a weird way, as, like, weird and almost soap opera-y it can be at times, that kind of makes this movie more engaging just because of how ridiculous it is and how much it's willing to own it. Um, and yeah, so it's absurd style and tone really does it, does itself favors. Um, yeah, it's a really fun time of a movie and I'd love to watch this with you guys one day. This is honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I love Johnny Toe's films, but this is my number one Johnny Toe film to show you wow. just because of how stupid it is. Really? Holy yeah. fuck. Um, Sounds like it's, uh, kind of a bad lick Brian sort of movie. Yeah. It's, it's kind of trashy, <laughs> but you're, you're, you're kind of here for it, you know? I'm gonna put Bad Luck Brian on the thumbnail for this video. <laughs> this is a Bad Luck Brian episode. No, this sounds really good. And I'm looking at the letterbox page for it right now. The poster is fabulous. It's absolutely fa- like I just I love how energetic it's like red and pink and yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you like the Hold- colors. Yeah, I like the colors, but I, I just gotta I gotta stop the podcast for a second. <laughs> what? What happened? I, I I you know, I'm trying to talk about uh fat choice spirit. And you know, I get a text from one of our co hosts of the show, Brandon. Well I'm talking about this and he he sends me a link um from chewboom.com. Um Jack in the box adds a new Jack's Mega Munchie box. Oh. And um he's asking if he should if should I cop? If he should get it. Uh so let's Listeners, what do you think? Yeah, um, listeners, what do you think? You know, um as afraid I uh, as afraid I am of Brandon's cholesterol, um I think it would be ridiculous and funny if he did get it. Um but again, you know, um I don't know. Do you guys want to know what's in it? Sure. What's it? What's in it? Curly fries. Okay. Thirty chicken nuggets. Thirty. Forty-five. Forty-five tiny tacos, buttermilk ranch, and creamy avocado lime dipping cups. For how much? Twenty dollars. That's so not bad for twenty bucks. Still, that... <laughs> I was gonna say about Fat Choice Spirit. Um. It seems like an episode of regular show to me. 
you know? It kind of is, yeah. <laughs> Where, like, the gangs fight, but they do it in Mahjong, and then he has, like, the most luck in the world. I don't know. Yeah, and, like, you know how, like, they have, like, the thing where, especially in, like, poker, you know, like, if you're, if the characters are cheating, they do, like, the, like, the sort of, like, like, scratch the nose, you know what I mean? But yeah. these guys are, like, doing shit like this, like, like, if they're trying to hit, like, oh, get me one of these, they're doing, like. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's kind of like um, I feel like it'd kind of be like over the top, yeah. the arm wrestling sports movie. Yeah, it's very, it's very slapstick, which is really fun. I love. You don't that. see that that often nowadays, too. <laughs> I'm into That's it. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There's my second pick. Um, Brandon, what do you, what do you think? And are you gonna get the Mega Munchie box? I will attempt to after the podcast. Are There's you no fucking... promises. <laughs> why are you? Why are you so upset? Can I give you some money and maybe have some of it? No, maybe. I don't want that. I don't want to get anywhere near that. What am I saying? Anyways, talk about Fat Choice Spirit. Hey, I mean, it sounds interesting. Like, it, And it sounds very different and co-directed by Johnny Toe, you know? There's no action in it, right? It's like like stereotypical rom-com. No, not not even. A, like, the most is uh, Andy Lau falls over at one point, I think. Right. But that's it. <laughs> Well, that's like, you know, that's all you need to know. Like, if you could inf- infuse the energy of a Johnny Toe action movie into a comedy, it seems like it could be funny and could work really well. And yeah. of course, or you I've could hate it. Heard it, it before this. I, I, it, is a, <laughs> it is a little out there, so it, it could rub you the wrong way. Or it could rub you the right I way. I like out there movies, though. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But that's my pick. Uh, Fat Choice Bird. Recommend. I love it. I love it. Alrighty. Um,. I am next, um, and I'm choosing a movie that none of you have seen, but I highly recommend. It's from a director that I think Brandon's a big fan of that he hasn't seen. Uh, it is from director Peter Bogdanovich. It's the 1972 film What's Up, Doc? Um, starring... What's up, Doc? Starring Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Streisand. What's up, Doc? Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neal. Those are the the two people in this movie, the two leads. Um, It is is, uh, a film that my father showed to me uh, when I was in high school. Went in completely blind and thought it was one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Um, So the premise is um, Ryan O'Neal's character is a geologist. who there he is he's attending this conference in San Francisco where he's showing off these rocks that produce like certain uh, if I remember correctly like certain musical um, notes to them basically these rocks are pointless but if he hits them they make these tones right and he comes into the hotel um, with this uh, what it's like I think it's plaid luggage. Yeah, plaid um, overnight bags. Yeah, plaid overnight bags. They're, they're plaid. And um, then uh, Barbara Streisand's character comes in with the same luggage, but it's her clothes in it. You know, nothing important. She's sort of like, you know, she's been kicked out of school a lot. She's sort of, um, you know, some, she's sort of a quirky character who's just like living on the road, you know, who tries to swindle people. So she tries to um, sort of get with the scientist so she can like stay the night in this room because she can't afford it you know um but also there um comes these this mysterious dude named mr smith who has um 
he has the same luggage, but with these like top secret government papers that like he's on a mission. Um, and there is like, there's other spies trying to get these papers. And then, um, there is, a, a wealthy woman who also has the same luggage, but it has like all these priceless jewels and diamonds in it, you know? Um, and at the hotel, uh, basically all these, all these, uh, packages are mixed up when they're delivered to their rooms, you know? So then it becomes sort of this crazy story of like these characters uh, trying to get their their own luggages and then them thinking that like the other people want to have wanted to steal their luggages. So then it becomes like this fake espionage story um, chase film um, while these two uh, Streisand and Ryan O'Neill start to build chemistry together and like fall in love. And um, it is really funny, really witty. And it all comes to, oh, my God, one of the the greatest like chase sequences ever which was the chase sequence that inspired the sequence in Ant-Man and the Wasp when they're driving around San Francisco, you know, um, the car chase there. Uh, Peyton Reed said this was like a direct influence uh, up on that scene was What's Up Doc because it is just, it's really great slapstick comedy. There's this one scene that I will never forget where um, – some barrels get loose and they start rolling down the street and there's this guy <laughs> who's walking down the street and he sees the barrels coming towards him and he starts running away and he jumps a fence and you guys know that scene in the nice guys where they drop off that body and it lands in like a birthday party yeah basically it's the same thing where he drops it he jumps a fence but it's a steep drop and he lands on the table to this picnic party and the way it's like timed and the sound editing where it's like it's a really quiet scene and he does that and it's a big crash it is one of the hardest laughs i've ever had in a long time um the acting is great uh you know it it's sort of a film that sort of uh you know it's the 70s these people aren't really uh your atypical romantic leads you know um and they sort of come together during these un like these uh crazy circumstances and it's funny um it's got good romance in it um yeah it's just a great film if you haven't if you haven't uh checked it out i highly recommend you do have you guys ever heard of this movie brandon chris what's up doc i've seen uh, the I've poster only, but that's it i've only heard of uh the way bugs bunny says it <laughs> yeah and only bugs bunny what's up, doc? what's up doc uh but no yeah it it does sound like fun um it's just I've never heard of it this movie before. I didn't. I when you said it, I was like, "Is he making a Bugs Bunny reference, like joke?" Or, <laughs> oh, there's actually a movie called "What's Up, Doc." I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, look at this, guys. We're all recommending films that we haven't seen. Uh, just goes to show how big the romantic comedy genre is. Brandon, you got anything to say about it? To. All right, let's move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like Barbara Streisand. Sometimes sometimes when do you not like her when she won't shut the fuck up damn he said it here I first think, folks i think she tries too hard sometimes as an actress damn he overdoes it just uh like in that one movie with um seth rogan seth rogan the guilt trip <laughs> no, uh, the prince of tides i'm thinking what a try hard <laughs> <laughs> i hated her in guilt trip Ah, stinky movie. <laughs> uh, all right, look at this. Another short, tight episode. Let's see if we can get this under an hour, Brandon. What's your next film? 
Slash uh, I am choosing a 2022 film. What? Hmm. Are you choosing it, it, Marry Me? No. Okay. <laughs> what what rom com came out this year? Yeah. It's it's only on Hulu. So if you want to check it out, go there. Uh yeah, it's it's it has a it has a white lead and it has a non white lead, so Why? This is how we win, guys. This is how we win. You uh, son of a bitch, you make me look bad on my own <laughs> show. Is this why you have the <laughs> Stop him, stop him. Stop him. Puzzle that dog. What? <laughs> oh my god. What's your fucking All right. movie? I'm picking Good Luck to You, Leo Grande. Oh yeah, with Emma Thompson. Yes. Very good movie. Very good movie here. Um so basically this is a movie about a school teacher who hires a male sex worker. So a la uh pretty woman a little bit, except it's different because it all takes place basically in one room. Uh and she basically does it to like free herself to have validation in herself uh about her own sexuality because as an English uh as a teacher uh she is like supposed to be this clean squeaky clean sort of person she never has any excitement in her life not to all teachers have no excitement but in a lot of cases that is the the thing it is a very safe position because you are dealing with children for a living um and as a matter of fact the person that she's staying with the uh the sex worker is kind of a person to open her eyes to a lot of uh, the magic of sex as well as um, self-love and self-care, but mm. also the idea of something more than that, you know, a little bit more romance than what she's used to. And in that way, I think it's an incredibly positive film. Not only that, I mean, it features a female perspective, but it isn't like, you know, it isn't trying to play to one side or the other. Like it's not exploiting her in a way as to get male audiences like aroused but it doesn't take the female perspective either that might close it off to uh, a male audience who would not be able to like communicate with the film in any way because they wouldn't be able to relate to her character but i think in what she goes through is incredibly relatable even if she is much older and the opposite sex as myself and in that way i think it's a great film because it tackles a lot of different issues race uh sexuality uh conservative versus tra uh conservative in tradition versus like more liberal and progressive ideas and yeah i think it's a great film uh, i think you guys should check it out yeah i i heard great it's things awesome. about it when it came out um during sundance right i think it premiered during sundance um right very cool twist on like the pretty woman thing that you said i remember people talking about that you know um having you know an older white woman sort of take this this role because it's it, it, that's something that's not really seen you know um you know the talking about the age for leading women in older roles um is something that has been talked about a lot lately you know and it's it, it seems good that it is be it is being uh portrayed in a good manner here you know um what did you say? I burped. You burped. Oh, it seemed like it seemed like he was shouting from the top of like Mount St. Helens. Like what the hell was that? He was he like he cupped his hands and shouted. 
But it was just a burp, everyone. It was just a burp. Chris, what do you think about this movie? Yeah, uh, this sounds cool. Um, I also have not seen this movie. Um, what else is there to say? Uh, like, I do think that it's a really interesting prompt. I do think there's a lot you can do here. Um, I love the idea of, like, kind of exploring, um, like, all these topics, like you said, Brian, of race, uh, age, sexuality, and, like, how, like, you know, one discovers themselves, like, even in a relatively latter part of their their lives. You know, oftentimes when you see someone of that age, you would imagine, like, you know, they're, they're past that era of their life, but, you know, everyone's different. And I do think that's really cool that, like, you can still have people like that have, like, these kinds of experiences. Um, it, like, it does, I mean, I, I haven't seen the movie myself, but it does seem very sex positive, which is great. Yeah. Um, I'm really yeah. glad that a lot of films uh, in the modern day are being a lot more open and understanding of sexual of human sexuality, which I think is fantastic. Um, yeah, it's 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 a really cool uh, idea for a film. Uh, the fact that it takes place at one location, uh, you know, oftentimes I feel like that's either gonna make the movie or break the movie, and uh, it seems like it ha- uh, this movie navigates it well enough. So, cool. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Gotta check it out. Um, Chris. Take us right. your last film. All right. My first two films, I picked movies that neither of you have seen. Now I'm picking a movie that you have both seen. And, uh, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I wanted to pick this movie because it fits this prompt way too well. Um, and it is one of my favorite rom-coms of all time and also one of my favorite modern ones. Yeah. I have used this many times before. <laughs> This is my third time I checked. <laughs> this is my third time putting it up. So I, I will just say this right now. Regardless of whether or not we put this on final stack, I will be retiring this pick for a little while <laughs> because it has been way too common. But it's rom-coms. I felt like I had to. I just had to. Yeah. Um, I'm picking Crazy Rich Asians from by John M. Chu from 2018. Wow. Um, I am so surprised. I know. Also, I know. The, the only Asian rom-coms. I, I respect Yeah. I really yeah, hell yeah. I love it. Hell yeah. Uh, something you... I something think that's Ethan fun. picked what he knew. Yeah. You know, whites, you know. Yeah. And then, that's what Ethan knows best. Yeah, yeah. And Brandon, Ethan knows know, best. And, and we all know Brandon. He's just a man of the people. He's sort of, you know, he's a melting pot of cultures made into a person, you know. I don't know a man more well-cultured than him. I mean, look, just take a look at his room. Uh, you can just see his personality and his... <laughs> a well-minded worldly human being just the arizona flag and um yeah uh you, you know uh you know brandon he's got he's got lots of black friends he's got lots of asian friends he's got lots of hispanic friends he's got lots That's of indian true. friends you know he he just has connections with everybody and i'm glad that his stack um really I'm reflects glad that, that you're jealous that uh, jealous of that yeah I'm jealous of your syntax too, honestly. I wish I could um, have that as well. Crazy Rich Asians, Chris. Um, okay. I guess what this is now the first time we've talked about this movie where I have seen it. So yeah, <laughs> that's something new we can talk about. You know, it's okay. Wait until I bring back Five Hundred Days of Summer or something one day, and then we can do that again. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, oh gosh, how do I even start? Uh, so 
for anyone who doesn't know, I feel like many people who are listening probably already do, or have listened to the past episode, but for anyone who doesn't know, Crazy Rich Asians follows Rachel Chu, an Asian-American girl who falls in love with her Singaporean boyfriend, Nick Young, uh, and is invited to return home with him, only to discover his family's immense wealth, but with that come many other socioeconomic and cultural complications. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting movie uh, to me because of that aspect. Um, of course, you know, it's a, it is a standard rom-com fair. You know, you've got the colorful characters, you've got the fun, vibrant imagery, um, you've got the lovable, like, love interest, and then the complications that come with that, and, you know, all that stuff. Um, um, the, but for me, this is a film that has grown more and more meaningful to me as the years have gone on. And I've gotten to a point where I'm genuinely thinking of sitting down sometime and just recording a solo commentary of this film because I think I can analyze this film in real time. Um, and I think, like, it's just, like, the way this movie navigates, like, of course, obviously, contemporary materialism, right? That's obvious. It's Crazy Rich Asians. But also, like, the complexities of cross-cultural identities and Asian, and Asian matriarch families is really well done. Um, there's so many moments in here that I can per very personally identify with. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's not a perfectly constructed film. You know, it has a very, uh, like, like standard look, like, you know, the imagery is, you know, it's, it's your classic rom-com fairy, right? But it, the way it navigates its themes really makes me not only believe in the story of these two people caught between their differing homes, but honestly, like genuinely believing in like the authenticity of it and thinking like the themes are so well executed because I personally can find things in here that like, yeah, like I understand that feeling. Um, yeah. And also just to throw this out there, I'm sure people know, but this is the first Hollywood studio film in the last, up until it came out in the last 25 years that had an all Asian cast, which is pretty unbelievable once you realize that the last time that happened was in 1993 with the joy luck club which is also a great film um yeah okay that's my whole spiel about crazy rich agents i've talked about this movie a billion times uh i think it's wonderful i'll probably do that commentary sometime and like throw that out there with stack sometime um but yeah crazy rich agents you guys have both seen it ethan i want to hear your your thoughts first because you're fresh yeah i'm fresh on it um i thought this movie was good uh i love um first of all the thing i love the most as a production designer the production value behind this movie seeing the just the extravagancy of singapore you know yeah um a place i've always wanted to go to um and just like just dive into the wealth of these people from singapore you know um it just it, it was just a beautiful looking film i mean the wedding ceremony itself I feel like is pretty has become pretty iconic in terms of production design. Uh, a lot of people talk about it. I I love it. It's sort of you know it's um a east versus west storyline, um, but taken from you know uh Asian Americans versus Americans uh Asian not Asian Americans versus <laughs> Americans Asian Americans <laughs> versus. Asians, you know, race war, yeah. race war, race war. <laughs> like a race, race war movie. War. No, um, it it reminds me of the farewell, and sort mm -hmm. of you know, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, Aquafina character, Aquafina characters who's She's also in, in this movie, uh, but 
her and Constance Constance Wu share a lot in common of sort of like grappling with um their identity, you know, mm-hmm. when faced with such with a culture that seems very familiar distant, but not. Yeah. D- distant, but, but also very familiar and just sort of the confusion they get from interacting with the people, you know? I mean, the relationship between her and Michelle Yeoh's character mm-hmm. um, is so good. I think that 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 is what makes this movie, you know, is their relationship. Um, and Michelle Yeoh just owns this movie as just, like, this really powerful mother figure, you know, in this family. Um, and Henry Golding, you know, I... I I am a straight man, but I think he is the one of the most handsome men alive. Uh, oh just yeah. Like, just I don't know. He is just a very handsome dude. You know. Like, he is the he is like attractive because he isn't like your typical Hollywood type. Yeah, like, like he not only in his like physique, but also just like his just how he his facial. Himself. Yeah, the way he presents, he's so like charming. Yeah. Snake eyes. I, I I think he would be a good Batman. I honestly think that. I could see that honestly. Give him give him the right director. I could see it. Yeah. Uh, under the new management, I don't think it's gonna happen. But we'll, <laughs> that's we'll true. Well, maybe maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe when uh you know Warner Brothers is sold to Universal, maybe then we'll see. Um, okay. which is happening, everybody. That's just fucking depressing. Um, yeah, I thought it was a solid movie. Um. And just a, a very, very extravagant film that tells a very touching story, you know? Um, Chris and I were talking about this. Um, what movie were we talking about? Uh, where, like, the perfect movie is a movie that can be enjoyed for its spectacle, but also can all but separately be enjoyed for digging deeper into its themes. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I feel like you can definitely do that by... This is a big spectacle romantic comedy. It has drama. It has comedy. You know, um, it has a, a, a touching romance. Um, but if you want to dig deeper into why those things work, you got to dig into this through a uh, like sociocultural analysis between uh, Eastern cultures and uh, Asian Americans, you know, um, which just makes the film all the more satisfying, you know. Um, so, yeah. Brandon and I knew this was going to come uh, when we were talking earlier. We're like, there's no way Chris isn't going to pick this, even though it's been picked two times. But I'm okay with that because <laughs> I got to talk about it now, you know? Um, yeah, and it's a cool movie. Brandon, got anything else to say? You're muted. Uh, oh, okay. no, man. You're just not talking. He's just gathering uh, his thoughts. Yeah. yeah. It's, a- it's a movie. And we like it because we like the chemistry between Constance Wu and Henry Golding and their ability to really make it feels like a real romance. And I know that's kind of cliche to say, but like it feels like they're like actually like going through things as a couple that you would go through in a relationship, especially if it's in a long term one. Um, Not that I would have a new experience. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, hmm. it's beautiful. Mm. <laughs> How quaint! Mm. Mm. That's quaint. All right. Well, um, 
Let's move on to the next topic here. Um, Come on, have some fun. (laughs) All right, guys. It's true. It is actually fun to make fun of yourself. I always do say that a lot. If you can't make fun of yourself, then what's the point, you know? Um, Which brings me to my last film, a film that does make fun of itself, being makes fun of the genre of romantic comedy. I had to pick it, guys. Being, I'm picking Being the Ricardos. That movie makes me go, oh, 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 whoa, oh, what a, what a rip. I raffle when I watch that movie. Uh, no, I'm picking. We've all seen it. Uh, they came together. I couldn't not pick it. Oh, of uh, course. I didn't think of this one, but yes, of course. Yeah, it's the, um, you know, it's the modern romantic comedy because it's self-reflect. It's a postmodern romantic comedy because it's a parody of literally every romantic comedy that has come before it um if you know david wayne and you know his films with wet hot american summer um it's done in the same vein um paul rudd amy poehler just it is just relentless it, it's a movie that's like so amateur or not amateur um so immature not yeah immature not amateur with its uh parody of the romantic comedy genre that it comes back around to being brilliant um by the way they they just hammer down uh you know cliches uh in dialogue and cliches in plot they make you so aware that they are cliche that they're pointing this out and saying this is a cliche that has poisoned this genre for so long i think the romantic comedy did become a bit like it did it did decrease in value in the 2000s and early 2010s you know because of these cliches that this film presents and i think david waynes just does an excellent you know uh satire of it all and um it it is just so funny uh you can say that again tell me about it you know um one of the that that is one of the funniest scenes i remember showing this to brandon and when we got to that scene uh we were just losing it you know um you could say that again you know i showed this to brandon and when (laughs) when i put on that scene we were just losing it you know yeah tell me about it (laughs) yeah so when i you know when i showed this to brandon uh i i when we got to that scene uh we were just you know we were just losing it it was so you can say that you can say that again you know when uh when I showed this to Brandon, we we watched that scene and we were just losing it. You know, it's just so funny. You can say that again. You know when I when I showed this to Brandon, you know we watched that scene and we were just losing it. It's so funny. Tell me about it. You know when I showed this to Brandon, uh, we watched that scene and we were just losing it. It was so funny. Okay, that's it. We're done. Come on, come on. Go more times. But you you guys get the point now. Um, yeah, there's it, so many good jokes. It this. is it is by far one of the most underrated films ever. I feel like some of the most underrated films are modern parody films because I think people became so sick of the parody genre. Epic um, movies. The because of the epic movies and the scary movies. Like, those those fucking guys who made those movies, they, they killed an entire genre. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, they yeah. alone killed an entire genre with their fucking stupidity that people because... like do not want to they didn't even they were not interested in parody movies anymore. Right. It's crazy. From 
the mid 2000s and the even in the 2010s like you look at pop star they came together walk hard all of those movies failed at the box office yeah nobody saw them because they were just like we i can't take parodies anymore after these two fucking guys and their epic movies and superhero movies oh my god they they need to go they need to go to cinema jail they are in cinema jail they're in movie jail like they're not getting out for a while actually didn't one of them wrote chernobyl the show didn't one of them write yeah that's one of the crazy. dudes was the showrunner for Chernobyl, which is like one, one of the, the best. One of the better. One of the, one of the best TV shows I've seen, been. like ever. That show is ins- insanely good. Um, if you haven't seen that miniseries, go check it out. It is like so dark and depressing and sad and like true to historical events. Uh, go Maybe watch they it. Should just stick to drama. Yeah, and not parody movies. I, it, it's just insane. Anyways, they came together. One of the most underseen, underrated movies ever perfect romantic comedy because it deconstructs the romantic comedy it does have a touching romance you know but it's also poking fun at it and it's really it's just it's so great you know you can't get better than paul rudd and amy poehler it it's so good what do you guys think i mean i love the movie when you showed it to me i was like kind of unsure like you were like oh this is really funny and i'm like i've like never like i've seen the poster for the movie but I actually, before, I didn't know that it was a parody movie until it started. Me too. And then... I, when I watched it, because I just wanted to watch it because I wanted to watch all these Paul Rudd movies, and I'm like, oh, yeah. great. Well, this seems like a really like cheesy, like, uh, you know, romantic comedy, because the poster is really convincing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I was just like, all right, let's just get this. I watched it on my iPhone during a road trip because I thought I was like, I don't have to pay attention to this. I just want to see it because yeah. I want to watch every Paul Rudd movie. But it was actually it just, really good. It looks like a Woody Allen movie from the poster. Or like a Judd Apatow movie. It doesn't yeah. look like a... Or uh, even like a Hallmark movie, you know? Even. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, the comedy is great. Uh, the romance is touching. It does have a few misses in there that are pretty bad, but when you're firing a joke every like second, it's gonna happen in a movie. Yeah, and you gotta just realize that not every joke is meant for you. Uh, but then you will run into a joke and you'll be laughing for like two minutes and be like, "Rewind, I missed some of the movie," or "I just want to listen to that bit over and over again." Yeah. Mm-hmm. It. Yeah. Is iconic, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, for me, uh, I remember you guys showed me this movie. I also really enjoyed myself with it. There are there are many a joke in this film that uh, are so so funny. Um, I think my favorite one is the one where um, he, uh, Paul Rudd, um, Amy Poehler's and her parents are testing Paul Rudd <laughs> be- by forcing by getting Amy Poehler's mom to try and seduce yeah. Paul Rudd and to use that as like a test to see if she he's loyal and then when he passes the test he's like oh come on i'm gonna fuck your mom come on let me fuck your mom (laughs) the way paul rudd delivers it is just so good he's like oh can i do the test again come on let me fuck your mom (laughs) bubby bubby what's happening bubby what's happening i want to fuck you so bad right now he, he pulls up his grandma's dress and it's like a 20 year old woman's ass oh my god if you haven't um, seen I, I, yeah. I, I feel bad we're spoiling the jokes if you haven't seen this movie folks but if you if you haven't you gotta go out and check it check it oh yeah go check it out it's great there's so right. many good cameos that we're not spoiling though. yeah that's true yeah. Um, it's great 
so many so many good comedy legends of the uh you know late the mid 2000s and early 2010s you know like some of the best people from SNL of that era are in this movie and you know you cuz you usually forget like what who has been com- like who are comedy stars during that time uh but this movie reminds you who's funny you know um alrighty, and there is our romantic comedy uh there are all of our stacks so let's run down our films one more time before we get to deciding this final stack brand you want to kick us off with your stack yeah i had pretty woman yep jerry Maguire, and <gasps> good luck to leo Grande. hey you did an order all right chris what about you bro all right, I had Comrades, Almost a Love Story, Fat Choice Spirit, and Crazy Rich Asians. There we go. And now for my white people movies, let's go. I got The Lady Eve, What's Up Doc, and They Came Together. Ah. All righty. What a stack. I think They Came Together should be there. I think we should have a parody, a classic, and something maybe a little, a little Not spicy nothing. in the middle. I don't know. Um... I think, I think Crazy Rich Asians is a modern classic. Yeah? Yeah. It's a modern classic on the story. I It is a traditional classic romantic comedy. You know? It is. Just in yeah. a different setting that tackles these really great themes, you know? But it's structurally a classic romantic comedy. Yeah. So I feel like we can throw that in there as our classic, you know? I'd be fine with that. And then if we want to do something, if we want to flip it on his head, maybe good luck to you, Leo Grande, you know? Because mm. that's sort of, it's a di- it's a twist on it, you know, where it's these, yeah. it's it's two archetypes that you don't, you know, two genders and archetypes that you don't really see, you know? And yeah, they never really go together. And also, like, they don't, it's not intention to fall for each other, sort of. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. You'll have to see. Um, but there's a lot more questioning, questioning to it than the other movies where it's a full-hearted embrace of the other person. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they came together, which is just a total deconstruction of it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel bad that we're not including any films that came out before the 2000s, you know? No 20th century films, but uh, eh. Who cares? It's our I show. was only alive for one year of that. Who cares about those years? Nothing cool happened then. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're living the present. We're living the now. It's the 21st century. Come on. We pitched those movies, though. We yeah. all pitched movies. These are all recommended movies that you guys can watch. They're all good, you know? This is your assignment. Watch all nine of the movies every <laughs> week. We're not going to... You know what? We're not going to do a final stack. Just watch them all. No. We're going to do a final stack, and it seems like we've got it. Um, so should we start classic, then have a little twist, then the deconstruction in terms of our order? Y'all think that'd be good? Yeah. Alrighty. Well, then it's settled. Let's run down Stack's official best romantic comedies, final Stack. Brian, you want to kick us off with our first film? Oh, no, no, Chris. Sorry. I totally disregarded the order. I was looking at the order in which we presented our films. Chris, you are first with our classic romantic comedy right. film. So, our first film was John M. Chu's 2018 rom-com Crazy Rich Asians, a very uh, structurally classical 
uh, romantic comedy, but also deeply elevated by its rich themes of contemporary materialism, cross-cultural identities, and Asian matriarch families. Uh, a definite must-watch if you come from an Asian family, but also a definite recommend if you are a fan of romantic comedies. Boom. What is our second film, Brandon? Hit it. Our next film is Good Luck to You, Leo Grande, a deconstruction of the genre that manages to have as many laughs as it has touching moments between the characters. Uh, it's definitely more sex positive than most rom-coms and isn't super racy, but it's a wonderful deconstruction, so get on with it. And our last film is David Wayne's hey. parody of the romantic comedy genre. Good postmodern post romantic comedy if you're looking for that sort of stuff. They came together. Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, whole cast of amazing comedic actors come together. Uh, to, it's, it is sort of a celebration of the romantic comedy, but by roasting it, you know, and all of its crazy tropes um, and just some hilarious moments and one that will stick with you for a while. You know, you can say that again, you know. Uh... And that's our stack, everyone. That's our episode. That's the show. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, uh, for sticking through with us today. Uh, you can listen to us all on iTunes, YouTube, X videos, Red Tube, Simpsons, porn, incest no, no. porn videos. We, we, we didn't. We did. No, I didn't upload there. You didn't upload there yet. No. Brand, there's a whole market of stacked heads that we would be gaining from those websites oftentimes the community of people who comment and engage with porn videos are nicer than people on youtube yeah so you ever notice you ever read the comments <laughs> you ever read the comments? they're very they're very po they're very positive uh, let's 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 hear everyone uh in the comments below share your favorite stories from viewing the comments on pornhub share that below let us know and your favorite rom-coms. And your favorite rom Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Throw that in, too. <laughs> That's what this show's about, too. All right. Uh, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. And uh, guess what? Next week, we are starting Halloween-a-thon. Halloween-a-thon is back. We are in October now. Woo! Um, it's our I'm, third I don't think I'm going to add the Halloween-a-thon music to this one. Maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. Stay tuned for Halloween-a-thon. All right. Bye, everybody. Big white kiss. <laughs>